the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. But if you're going to get a tattoo, you might as well get a scripture verse, right? Whether it's putting a post-it on a mirror, whether it's taking an index card and putting it on your dashboard, whether it's wearing an armband, like, like this one just reminds me I'm a fisher of men. Whatever it is, find ways to focus in on the love of God. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. We welcome you, whether you're joining us in this room, you're joining us online or at one of our other two campuses. We're especially grateful for those of you who are parents that may be here for the first time. We trust that you've had a great week. Uh, you've heard about the great week your children have had here at Vacation Bible School, and we're grateful that you entrusted us with your children. We've seen so far, after counseling individually with them, 23 boys and girls that commended their life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're so thankful for what God is doing. Hey, I also want to welcome my friend Brett Cotton. He spent some years in this church, and uh, you know, that's part of his story. And, and for the last several weeks, we've been recognizing that we all have a story. Part of Brett's story is that God used his time in this church just to shape his life and to, to send him off into ministry. And now he's married and, and serving there at his church. And he's got a group of students here with him from Avalon Baptist Church. Would you welcome them today? We're glad that they're here. Now take your copy of God's Word and turn, to we, turn with me to Deuteronomy. Say that. Say Deuteronomy. For some of you, you've never said that because you don't even know where that is. So if you've started at the beginning of the Bible, it's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And we're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 6 in just a moment. I remember the first time I heard Whitney Houston Raise your hand if you know who Whitney Houston is. Yeah. Oh, I had a crush. I was in high school. I, I remember I was working at a summer camp. And I was, I was, raise your hand if you remember what a cassette tape was. Yeah, so I put in the cassette tape of, of Whitney Houston, and I turned to my uh, college friend at that time, Hal, and, and I said, I would date her. <laughs> I mean, she had that angelic voice. And then I can remember when she came out with that song, The Greatest Love of All. It was so inspiring. I, I think I was, well, I thought about singing a little bit of that for you, but I won't. Let me, let, me just, uh, let me just read it, some of the words. Because the greatest love of all, it's happening to me. I found the greatest love of all inside of me. The greatest love of all, it's easy to achieve. Learning to love yourself. It's the greatest love of all. Man, what a beautiful song, but, you know, Whitney got it wrong. That's not the greatest love of all. 
In fact, in the tragic end of her life, we, we see that Whitney, she never understood that because she never even really learned to be at peace with herself. And according to God's word, there, there is a love that is greater than any love, a love that transforms you and it impacts the people around you. And that's what we're going to talk about today in Deuteronomy. Now, again, you're asking, really, Pastor? Deuteronomy, don't we like to focus on the New Testament? I mean, tell me the stories of Jesus. That's what I want to hear. Why Deuteronomy? Deuteronomy is an important part of the biblical story. It's important for a lot of reasons. Uh, one of the reasons is because it recaps what God's doing with his chosen people, the, the children of Israel. If you want to boil down what the Bible is all about, you could say it's about a God a people, and a land. And in the Old Testament, it tells us all about God working out His plan through His people, the children of Israel, in the land called the promised land, the land that now we can visit, called Israel, the state of Israel. In the New Testament, we see that God expands that. And so you've got the same God revealing Himself in the person of Jesus Christ, and we see that the people that he's come to relate with is everybody. So it's a God for all people. And the land that he has for us is a heavenly home that we enjoy after having a, a life of fulfillment by living according to his plan. And so if we want to understand that, then we really want to look back and see what happened in this Old Testament passage as God was trying to get through his thick-headed people, the children of Israel, how to enjoy the promises that he had for them. In this particular chapter, Deuteronomy 6, this is important because of the life of Jesus. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, what did he do? Twice he quoted scripture, three times he quoted scripture, twice he quoted Deuteronomy chapter 6. When Jesus was approached by religious leaders and, and they asked him, What's the most important commandment? Now, you've got to understand, Jesus, God had given Moses the Ten Commandments there on Mount Sinai. He's now summing it up in the commandment we're about to read. We call it the greatest commandment. But the religious leader had turned that into 13,000 laws. And, and they were focused on the law. And so they asked Jesus, what's the most important commandment? This is what Jesus said in Mark 12. One of the scribes came up and, and heard them disputing with one another and seeing what he answered them well, he asked him, Jesus, which commandment is the most important of all? Of all the laws, of all the commandments, what's the most important? And Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The words of Jesus on that day were the words of Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is the word of God. Listen to Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. Now this is the commandment. In our church... We believe the Bible is God's Word. And, and we believe God's Word is perfect, and it's true. It's not full of errors. 
You know, we can open it and depend on the fact that what it is saying is trustworthy. So if that's the case, when it says, now this is the commandment, we should listen up. The statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me, that's Moses, to teach you that you may do them in the land in which you are going over, to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear, therefore, O Israel, sound familiar? And be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, that you may have multiplied greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Then we've got it again. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. And this is the word of the Lord. I want you to get three things from this passage. Let me tell them to you, and then we'll pick them apart one by one. I want you to see that in these verses, God teaches us how to live. And then he shows us how to love. And then he reminds us how to learn. Let's first look at that first lesson. The Bible teaches us how to live. Philosophers have often asked this question, if X is truth, how then shall we live? So in our case, if God's word is true, if that which we teach in spaces like this, if God's word is true, how then shall we live? I want to give you several ways I think you learn to live from this passage. Number one, live on purpose. The best-selling book, that's nonfiction apart from the Bible for many years was a book written by a pastor called The Purpose Driven Life. It begins with this phrase, what on earth am I here for? And some of us wake up every morning and think that, what am I doing here? How did I get here? What is my purpose? Have you discovered that? Why you're here? What it is that God wants of you? What's his purpose in your life? At Mission Hill, we remind everyone in our new members class that there are four purposes that we want you to have in our church. But the reality is, we believe those are true for everybody. We believe that God created you to worship Him. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. 
That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. We think that God created you to grow in your knowledge and understanding of Him. We believe that God created you to serve Him. And we believe that God created you to go into the world and speak out on His behalf. And and so if you're a part of this church, that's only four things we ask you to do regularly. Worship and grow and serve and go. Let's say those together. Worship, grow, serve, go. That's what I believe God has created us all for. It's His purpose in your life. How are you doing just with those four things? Do you set aside time in your life to worship Him regularly? Are, are you consistently growing in your relationship with Him? Are you closer to God today than you were sometime in your past? How are you serving Him? How is your relationship with Him being reflected in how you serve others? And, and what about that last one? Do the people, even in your little corner of the world, much less other parts of the world, know that you're going out to represent the Lord? Live on purpose But then the second thing I see in this passage is that we're to live with reverence. Live with reverence. Now, how do I get that? It's because he says, fear God. What does that mean? How do we fear God like it describes in verse 2? Does that mean that we hide out and we live afraid of what he may do? Is God some cosmic killjoy that's resting in heaven, just waiting us to zap us when we step out of line? Is that the kind of fear that the Bible teaches? No. In this case, fear is what we could call reverence or awe. It's, it's a recognition of who God is and, and what that means in my life. So why do we fear God? We fear Him because of His authority. We recognize that He is the God. There is none like Him. That's why in in church we talk about God's sovereignty. What is the sovereignty of God? It's the understanding that He is the one who rules and reigns. This is His kingdom that we're a part of. It's not our kingdom. It's His kingdom. He's large and in charge. And because of that authority, we live our life with a holy reverence of Him. And I would suggest that you look at society today, and and frankly, you look at many who even consider themselves to have a relationship with God and and hang out in churches, and you, you can't help but think we've lost the fear of God. We don't revere Him for who He is based on our attitudes and our actions. Because when you understand an authority is present, it changes you. Let me illustrate that. Have you ever been driving along, hands at 10 and 2, minding your own business, going the speed limit even? And then in your rearview mirror, you see that car, that car that has lights on the top. It's got stripes on the side. You're just there minding your business. You see that car, what do you do? Tell me. You slow down. It doesn't matter how fast you're going. You could have been going five miles under the speed limit, and it scares you to death. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, people be speeding by you on the interstate, but you can see that they saw that in their rearview mirrors, and they're like, they're slowing down. I think think police kind of must get tired of that. I mean, y'all just keep going. I'm just minding my own business, too. 
But no, we, we slow down. Why? Because we fear the authority. We see one, listen, who has the ability to enforce that which is law. That's why we fear God. But let me just give you one other reason. I'm just going to give you two. You could, you could think of more. We fear God not only because of his authority, but we fear God because we don't want to break his heart. You know, I, I had the privilege, unlike some of you, I did grow up in a godly home. I have a godly heritage. And so because of that, I, I, I didn't want to disappoint God. But you know what else? I didn't want to disappoint my parents. I can think of some of the worst decisions I've made. And the hardest part of that was calling my mom and dad and saying, hey, I messed up. Why? Not as much because I was scared of the punishment. I just didn't want to break their heart. And I know that because they love me so much, sometimes when I did wrong, it would break their heart. And so when we talk about reverence of God, that's something we want to understand. God, break my heart for the things that break your hearts. Help me be sensitive to, the, to who you are and, and what that means. We want to understand that. We want to fear God. In a world in which everything around us constantly competes for our attention and loyalty, there's one who truly deserves and demands our focus, and that is the Lord. So, so some of you, you're living in all kinds of fear, but it's the wrong fear. You're fe fearing what others think, or, or you're fearing what will happen if the stock market never returns, or, or you're, you're fearing what will take place if circumstance don't change in your life. But as Jesus said in Matthew 10, do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. The reality is we walk in reverence of God because of who he is. Live on purpose. Live with reverence. But then live obediently. Moses said, hey, God's got this future for you. So fear him and do what he said. God wants us to live in obedience to his commands. Some of us in here, we're educated beyond our obedience. We know what to do, but we don't do what we know. It's not... It's not what you know that transforms you. It's what you do with what you know. And I know what you're thinking, though. Pastor, are you getting legalistic? Didn't Jesus come so that we might have grace rather than the law? Well, that's not exactly what Jesus said. In that great sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, I came not to abolish the law, but to what? Fulfill the law. What does that mean to fulfill the law? Well, you've got to go back to what the law is. The law is God's standard of righteousness. We've learned about that in Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 2, and Romans chapter 3. The law is God's standard of righteousness. But guess what? None of us live up to the standard. The Bible says all of us fall short of God's standard of righteousness. So our relationship with the law is different because of Jesus. If the law is God's standard of righteousness, that means that laws are not bad. They just point out that we are bad. We'll never be good enough to fulfill them. But Jesus was. Jesus fulfilled all the law. He was perfect in every way. All of us have failed except Jesus. 
That's why there's power and healing and hope and comfort and strength and all of the things we describe in the name of Jesus. We're not under the law in the same way the Jews were. Aren't you grateful for that? We can eat shrimp, fried shrimp, (laughs) boiled shrimp. (laughs) I could go on. But what is the law to us? The law is like those guardrails that you see on a highway in the mountainside. The guardrails are not there to hurt us. The guardrails are there to keep us from hurting ourselves. That's why we have the laws of God. That's why we want to live in obedience because God has given these things because he knows that our best life is not found when we break his commands, but when we live in obedience to his commands. So (laughs) here's what I I just have to pause because I've been doing this for 30 years. So I, I know that when a pastor or a teacher begins to talk about living in disobedience, because of the Holy Spirit of God, when you hear that, you're, you're instantly drawn to think about these areas of disobedience in your life. And some of those are coming across your mind right now. Maybe it's in your thought life, or, or, or maybe it's what you're looking at with your eyes, or, or maybe it's your language and how you talk to people, or, or maybe it's things you're putting into your body or things you're doing with your body. And I could go on and on. There's areas of disobedience in your life, and you know it. I've long believed that a pastor doesn't need to remind us we're sinful. We know that. So what do you do? Well, that's what Scripture is all about. When we, when we find ourselves living outside of the guardrails of God's command, the only response is repentance and obedience. So today, if you don't get anything out of this message, if, if God through His Holy Spirit begins to speak into you right now and say, there are things in my life that are not okay, what do I do? Stop it. You repent. You turn from doing those things. Turn to God and begin to live in obedience. That's his desire. Live on purpose. Live with reverence. Live obediently. And then I love this. Live in light of the promises of God. So Moses Moses says, hey, God's got a future for you. He's got a purpose and a plan. And that's true. He said, but you need to fear him. And that's true. And you need to do what he says. And and that's true. Why? Because he's going to send you into the land. And remember, the land for them was a specific place. The land for us is what Jesus called an abundant life, a fulfilling life. God still has a plan for you, a plan for your abundance, a plan for your fulfillment. So we want to live so that we may enjoy his promises when I was growing up in that Baptist church, we would sing standing on the promises of Christ my King, and the organist would play it fast, and it would make us so happy, you would kind of be bouncing as you sang it, because you're thinking about the promises of God are applicable to me. I benefit from what God promises in my life. Are you standing on the promises of God? All around me, you see the colors of the rainbow. What does this stand for? Does this just simply remind us that we're all diverse and we all can be accepted no matter how we live or no matter what we do, and we should find pride in that? Not biblically. That's not what this means. That would go against everything we've been saying. The rainbow is simply a reminder of God's promise. 
What's his promise? The promise is that in spite of our sinfulness, in spite of how bad we are, in spite of what we deserve, he makes a way. For the people of, of, of his first creation, he did that by promising never to flood the earth again. Do you remember what happened? God looked down on his creation. He saw that all of mankind was sinful except for a righteous man named Noah. So he told Noah, you gather up anybody that will come. You preach righteousness. You get anybody to come in, and I'll save them. But those that don't come in and, and listen to the word that God has sent to you, they're going to be destroyed by a flood. And that's exactly what happened. The world was destroyed by a flood. But after that, in Genesis 9, the Bible says that God said, I'm giving you a sign in my covenant with you and with all the living creatures for all generations to come. I placed a rainbow in the clouds. It's the sign of my covenant with you and with all the earth. And when I send the clouds over the earth, the rainbow will appear in the clouds. And I will remember my covenant with you and all living creatures. Never again will the floodwaters destroy life. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.